the grain. Looking at big ideas through the lens of small communities. A podcast where arts, culture, and the human experience intersect. Tackling serious topics through fun perspectives. Seeking the grain of truth. Hello, grain family. Hey, Jody. Hey, Darian. How are you? I am good. Things are a little strange, but they're good. When are they not strange, right? I mean, kind of. <laughs> We've been rolling that for a couple of years now, so. <laughs> yeah, a couple of years, I think, have been stranger. You know, I saw somebody this morning. Um, I participated on a panel this morning. It sounds very official. Yeah, whatever. But um, one of the other artists on the on the panel, we realized that we hadn't seen each other in a minute. And I was like, well, whatever it was, you think the last time we saw each other add two years to that? Because COVID has not been our friend. Do you, do you feel like you've lost track of time? Like, I can't remember if stuff happened in 2020 or 2021. I can't place when things happened chronologically. Oh, most definitely. Like, it's kind of been flat. Things have been flat for a minute. And you know what else? Like, you know, I get around with my work. I meet a lot of people. And so there's like people, like over the past two years, I would have seen them three times maybe, but I would have seen them three times. And I would remember their names and, you know, hey, what's up, Jody? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, man, see you next time, whatever. Now, there's been a two-year gap where I almost didn't see anybody. Yeah. And so there are people like, I know, like super casual who like, I can't remember their names and stuff. You know what I mean? Like I haven't had contact with them in at least two years, maybe three or four years. It's like, I know I know this person, but I can't even remember them. Cause like I say, it was a super casual, um, you know, we we're more acquaintances anyway. And now with all that, you know, the COVID thing and the weird, it's like, it's driving me kind of crazy. Like what the hell, man? So I am a person who was never good at remembering anyone's name mm-hmm. um, <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. So I always have been able to remember faces and I will remember like, I'll remember a vivid conversation I had with someone and where mm-hmm. we were and what they were wearing and maybe what the weather was like, but I can't remember their name. Right. So um, that's not new for me, mm-hmm. but uh, I know the feeling. And it's weird. It's definitely weird. We just, you know, it's right there, but you can't grab it. Yeah. And it's like, it's unusual for me because I am a person. I'm kind of like you. I remember most of the time I remember a name, but I mean, there are times when I don't remember a name, but I, I, I will remember you. I will remember you. But like I say, if I, now it's like, I haven't seen, I mean, it's there's people who I literally, I think I've forgotten because maybe I had just met them like right before the pandemic and I hadn't seen them, hadn't had any contact with them. And then I'll see them out and like, wait a minute, I, do I know this? I know it. You know, in Columbia, I had to be careful because well, I'm from Columbia. Columbia's still a small town and I'm a public person. So sometimes you start to get the feeling like, oh, I know. And it's like, you don't know that person. You know, you start thinking, you know, everybody, you, know, you don't know that person. But, um, yeah, it's kind of COVID has made everything weird. Just made everything weird. Um, I'm doing a show now with the University of South Carolina. Um, 
in a show. I'm in uh, Romeo and Juliet, the stage in Romeo and Juliet. And um, I had to get a COVID test the other day because one of the designers, we started off the, the process rehearsing in masks, which I hated. But we were in masks for a few weeks. And then the university went to a mask optional um, situation to where we were during that, we would like wear a mask if you're not on stage. If you're backstage or not in the scene, you would wear a mask and then take off the mask, you know, when you and I were in the scene, we'd be unmasked. And eventually relaxed to the point where um, at least I was, and probably most people were unmasked most of the time. And then one of the designers, not a perfect person in the cast, but one of the designers um, tested positive. And it was like two days before the show opened. So that threw everything into a tailspin. And we had to go get these emergency um, COVID tests. And we had to figure out, like, you know, if one person tested COVID um, positive, what does that mean? You know, was it possible to do a show with, with a positive test? You know, could an actor be masked up and still be safe? And so we had to go through all those things. I say we, after the administration, made those decisions, but we were part of that. Fortunately, everybody tested negative. And I had another test again yesterday because we start back again tonight. But yeah, it's just made, you know, I think everybody's like just beginning to exhale. And COVID's like, hold on, I'm not done yet. I'm still here, you know. I see in Philly, they're bringing back indoor mask mandates in Philly, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I think that's probably the crux of our show today is is just sort of a, a check in two years later. I mean, we're just over two years now of this. Mm -hmm. And so I think back to the beginning, right? The very beginning when it was I mean, we didn't know what we were dealing with. So I remember starting to track it in February before it had come to the U.S., it was on my radar. Wow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Now. How did it get on your radar? So, wow. Because I didn't hear anything, you know, like the rest of us till March. When well, school I'm shut down and stuff. a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, you know, um, but no, I mean, I, I had seen it on the news that they were, that there was a new virus and mm -hmm. they were having lockdowns in China and there was concern that it could come here. Mm -hmm. You know, and and so it was on my radar. And I remembered being at um, a, a school board meeting and mm -hmm. it was a, a school board work session. So I was watching the school board do their they do a work session every quarter where they spend like two days going over all the business for the school district. And I remember during a break having a conversation with the director of instructional services because this. At the end of February, we had identified the first case in the U.S. in Washington, and that person died. So this was, was it, like... Was it Washington State? Washington State. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And I'm so it was the end. Of, it was like February 28th or something like that. It was mm -hmm. right at the end. And I remember saying to her, like, we need to have a plan here because what if this does take off here and we can't open the schools. Right. Like what if, what if we can't, you know, it's not safe for the kids to be at the school, you know? And she was like, 
basically on the same page as me, like, yeah, we'll have to figure something out, um, some, some way to do school remotely, but hopefully it won't get like that. Well, you know, then fast forward two and a half weeks and they shut down. And at that time, remember it was two weeks to flatten the curve. So that's crazy. Judy. You guys were way, you guys, speaking of the curve, you guys were way ahead of the curve. You're already talking about remote learning. I remember the day I had to go pick up the bird from school. It was kind of weird because um, all the parents were there. And so, and they didn't release the kids immediately. So we're kind of milling around outside the school. And one of the ladies was talking about, she had a friend who's a uh, doctor in New York and they were already making decisions about who would be exposed and who could like, they were having to make decisions like they had young doctors on staff who didn't have families. So to minimize things, they were, the young doctors were pulling, you know, the longest shifts, being exposed to these infected people. And I was like, what? I was like, I, I had no, I, on the other hand, I had no idea. And I'm, I'm usually up on things. I'm, you know, I'm, I can, I can be a news nerd or I can unplug at times. Sometimes I uh-huh. have to unplug, but um, I had no idea. And I remember at first when they let the kids out, I thought it was going to be like two weeks. I thought it was going to be like, I didn't know how long it was going to be at first. I thought it was going to be like a day or so, you know. And then I thought, it was, okay, it's going to be like maybe two weeks. And then those two weeks turned into three and then a four and then a month and did two months. And it actually in the very beginning of the pandemic, not for people I'm sure that were infected, that were sick and everything, but it was kind of lovely for us. It was a little vacation, you know, school was shut down. They hadn't figured out the remote thing yet. So we were home and everybody was home because we, we couldn't go to work. So we spent a lot of time just kind of hanging out together and watching TV and reading. And we ate some of the best meals we'd eaten in years. And Mikhail and I both figured out like, wow, we were doing way too much, you know, because we went from breakneck speed of everything, you know, you know, yeah. everybody's life is way too much. And then all of a sudden we, we were forced to go to nothing. It was kind of lovely at first. It was kind of nice. And I feel guilty saying that, know that people were, you know, contracting the virus and getting ill. But at first when I, we didn't know what was going on, it was, it was just kind of, kind of nice. And we thought, well, we didn't know what to think. Didn't know how long it was going to be. We didn't know anything that was going to happen. Like, like the a vaccination would become controversial. <laughs> Yeah. You know, even though they were already because uh, months and all that stuff was starting to spread in New York again, because there was um, amongst the Orthodox, uh, Jewish Orthodox communities, there was some riff and, and, you know, Jenny McCarthy was on TV spreading her knowledge. Mm. About, is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. I'm being really nice there. <laughs> I, I put up the air quotes when I put the air quotes and, don't get me started about her. I was like, why would you ask Jenny McCarthy about a inoculation pro- um, procedure? Yeah. What, what does she know? Especially, you know, for, you know, we, how many shots did you take to go to school, school Jody? How many shots did you oh, take? Oh, yeah. No, I have no idea. It was a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, have everything. yeah, we'd already <laughs> crossed that technology. That was, oh, we had crazy evidence to show that it, it worked. I mean, we had evidence going back the first inoculations were hundreds of years ago, actually. You know, so I don't know. I just, I couldn't have predicted where we would get to. I could not have predicted all that. 
So Mm -hmm. I was one of those people who thought early on that it would be possible to um, contain the virus Mm -hmm. uh, if people had understood the assignment, Uh, (laughs) but most folks did not. Although I did think that it would be something that would change the way we lived in a lot of ways mm-hmm. early on. And, and much to your point, you know, some of the, the changes that we made uh, even, was specifically around remote schooling and remote work. You know, I had been in the experience, had the experience prior to the pandemic of needing remote work mm-hmm. because I had a sick child at home. So I didn't want to quit my job. I wanted to keep my job. But some of the responsibilities that I had had, I was a retail manager. Some of the responsibilities I had could easily have been done from home. Things like scheduling and, you know, doing reports and stuff like that. I could do that from home. I didn't need to physically be at the store to do those things. And that was about half of my workload responsibility. And the other half of my workload responsibilities were on-site manager on duty, like physically being there, managing the people, making sure everyone was where they were supposed to be and things were running, but they wouldn't allow me to remote work. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, how will we know if you're doing 40 hours a week? And I'm like, you'll know when my work gets done that I produced the work that you are paying me for. Right. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, they wouldn't do it. And I ended up, you know, I ended up having to leave that job. Um, so Which is I, crazy I, now because yeah. the idea of remote work, I was talking to a friend of mine last night and they're just going back to their office the end of this month. Yeah. And I mean, it's so valuable for so many reasons, mm-hmm. um, you know, environmental reasons, you know, people don't have those long commutes, mm-hmm. uh, public health, obviously, if people are sick, they don't have to physically be in the office, they can, you know, work remotely, childcare and, and all of those things. So I was somebody who saw the potential for this to be a massive, massive life change in a lot of ways. Um And even from a health standpoint, like I remember talking with our pediatrician early on, we had, uh, because, you know, my youngest has some health issues. So we were, this was early in the pandemic. And he was like, you know, we're not going to go back to the way things used to be in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. He's, Mm -hmm. they didn't have their, their waiting room open. Mm -hmm. So they, Mm -hmm. you would call up when you got there and they would tell you what room to go into and you would go right from your car into the exam room. So nobody was hanging out in the office like before, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like, we're never going back to that. He's like, I don't even know why we ever did that. You know how many kids used to get sick in the waiting room? Yeah. You know, this whole, it has made you to your point, reevaluate the whole, the world changed at least one minute. Do you remember there was a month when all of a sudden all the smog almost everywhere in the world was gone? Mm. Remember that? And we were also hopeful about, you know, what the environment could look like going forth and, you know, how maybe we could come out of this and manage uh, pollution better and manage climate change better. Remember all that? And I was thinking, like, wow, wouldn't this be cool if, like, the world just shut down for a month? A year. Remember April 2020 was like, I remember saying to my friend, because we, you know, we couldn't go out, we couldn't go out to eat, we couldn't do stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we would get together in the driveway. Mm-hmm. 
So people mm-hmm. would be out in their driveway, you know, folks would go by and you they talk to you from the end of the driveway or whatever. Um, and so I would go, we had a bubble of close friends. Yeah. I only yeah, saw our, the same We people. had our pod, we had our pod. And uh, so I would go to her house and we would, you know, sit there and have a beer or whatever. And, and I told her, I'm like, you're gonna miss this. You know, there's no deadlines, there's nowhere to be. There's no appointments. We just, we have nothing to do, but just sit here. And of course, April in South Carolina is like, you. Yeah. the weather is never better. It's lovely. <laughs> For those of you who are not in South Carolina, you need to plan a trip to South Carolina in April. Like Jody said, it's lovely. It's yeah, just, April and May is just... Unless you got bad allergies. If you have bad allergies... Yeah. It's a lot of pollen. There is a lot of pollen. Bring some, bring some uh, Zyrtec or whatever. Mm. <laughs> you know, this, we are going to miss this. And, you know, sometimes I do, like, just because I think that in a lot of ways, we, you know, left that all behind. And I think people are regretting how quickly maybe we have been yeah, abandoned. At the same point, though, you know, you can take those lockdown type policies to the extreme. I mean, when we look at what's happening in Shanghai Mm -hmm. now with their lockdown, it's extremely strict. And And they're even experiencing, uh, they were saying part of the problem is they did lockdown so efficiently that the large community has built no resistance because of no exposure to the virus. So they're like at ground zero perpetually because they lock down so tightly, you know, and they have no here. There's food shortages. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's one of the things we're dealing with now. Like sure. You know, like I just moved back to my beloved 29203. So, you know, with that, there's always, you, you know, you get some new stuff, you buy a new microwave and a new washer dryer and stuff like that. And because of the pandemic, there's, you know, we all know supply chain. I mean, who was two years ago, who was using the phrase supply chain? You know, like who was talking about, you know, the the supply chain has been interrupted. There's shortages in the supply chain. You know, I confession, (laughs) you, you know, you were not. That's you were not on February. I was like, I'm buying a bunch of food. <laughs> oh, well, I'm it, sure. I have that. toilet paper. Yeah, I was about to say, let's not forget the toilet paper hoarders. I totally. I that was crazy. It. That was crazy. You would go in the store and there'd be like <laughs> no toilet paper. And I was like, what is going on? And I remember a friend of mine. He said, "Yo, man, he's a uh, he drives trucks, and yeah. um, he was in some small town." somewhere it's like yo man they got they got toilet paper here he yeah. said, i'm gonna buy you like like four or five um packages i was like oh, oh okay it was crazy that was just but i would have never predicted that i would yet it happened you know i did not anticipate people buying six eight months worth of toilet paper at a time for their own selves i did not ever imagine that uh but i did think in february like i need to make sure that i have enough stuff Mm -hmm. so that if something happens and we're not able to go to the store for two weeks right that i've Mm -hmm. got what i need whether that is we're sick 
or, you know, they, they can't open the store regular hours mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. reason. So I want to make sure that I had, so I had supplies here for like two weeks to a month. And it was a lot of, you know, food that, that we could eat that, you know, if I wasn't, if I got sick, cause that was my concern. I'm a single mom, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's just me and the kids. Mm-hmm. If I get really sick. Yeah. The kids are going to be in trouble. Who's yeah. going to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if I can't send them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. Because now yeah. I'm sick and they have been uh, exposed to me. So, you know, so I had, I was thinking a lot of those things early on. Uh, man, it was great. Do you remember when, when a, a tank of gas was lasting you like a month? A month, <laughs> a month, yeah. Why? Because there was nowhere to go and you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. And this is when, it, um, so the official lockdown in South Carolina began on March 22nd. And I know this probably impacted a lot of people. On March 21st, Michaela's mom passed. Oh. And her family had made, they had already made arrangements and everything. Um, they were going to donate her mom's body to science. They already made contact with um, the agency that was coming to get it. And then when the lockdown occurred, all that got blown up overnight. Yeah. And not only that, but they couldn't have the usual, you know, the usual family coming over to pay their respects and kind of, you know, mourn together. It affected it affected everything. They couldn't be around people. There's no place to, you know, as they say, pay your respects. They all of a sudden, um, what they had planned, because her mom had been in hospice, but what, um, so they had planned uh, how to take care of her. All that got blown up and they had to scramble and figure out how to care for their mother, you know, how to, so it was, it was crazy, man. It was, it was, it was impacting like every level of life. You know, uh, in ways I could not, there's no way I could have. Remember all the gyms were closing down and remember you used to look at TV and in Asia, you'd see people walking around in masks because of SARS, post-SARS. And all of a sudden there were people, everybody was masked up or or people weren't masked up. People were pissed because they weren't masked or people were pissed because you did wear a mask. And people telling each other in the stores, you're standing too close to me and, back up off me, you know. We talked about this before. Netflix became like the most important thing in the world for people. You know, everybody was like, oh, you watch it. And then for me, for my industry, all of a sudden people started figuring out how to do performances on online. Right. You know, how to how to do plays online. And as a matter of fact, when I had my stroke, I was at I was performing. I was in the, literally in the middle of performing and an online storytelling festival. So people were trying figuring all these things out. You know, it was, I could not have predicted the changes, how in the largest and smallest way, unfortunately, you started hearing uh, reports of, of people dying and people you know dying. You know, people you know getting sick and, and dying. And I was like, man, what the, it, it was and still is a very weird place. It's a very weird place. And I think, you know, now that we are here two, two years later, I feel more, probably more now, I will tell you more now, a little bit of that sense of uh, the unknown and, and loss of control. 
that mm. I felt in the beginning. And the reason why, you know, like I said, I, I watch this stuff carefully. I, I monitor the CDC COVID tracker. I look at the wastewater data. I'm like, just I'm that person. That wastewater data, that's crazy. Yeah. But it, it, it would be really like, great if South Carolina reported any. Um, oh, South Carolina doesn't do that? We... There are there are some cities, um, but when you look at the CDC uh, website for the wastewater tracker, if you look, mm. a lot of the sites in South Carolina say they have no data. Um, so there are sites that are capable, but apparently they're not tracking the data. And that was the other thing you just hit upon too, like the reluctance of some some government, some municipalities to share that data. You yeah. know. And I was like, why wouldn't you? But just for if there's someone listening who doesn't know what the wastewater data is, tell us real quick what that is, Joe. So uh, the waste wastewater data is is a tool that the public health entity in your state, for us it's DHEC, um, can use to track a rise in infections out of um, wastewater from our toilets. Right. I know it sounds gross, but so they basically go to the sewage and they can test the wastewater, you know, if there is virus in the water. And so it's not specific, but it's a surveillance tool that they'll use for a community to see if, you know, if the level of the virus in the community is rising. And I've heard it's crazy effective. It's very effective at predicting a surge. Mm. So you'll start to see an increase in um, detection of the virus in the wastewater. And then when it starts to get, you know, several thousand times the level that it, that is the baseline, um, usually in that follows with a surge two to three weeks later of infections. Mm -hmm. So it just, it's a tool that we have to tell us the prevalence of the virus in the community without testing individual people. Um, And so it's, it's one of the only tools we have left, which is kind of what I was alluding to. It's, it's difficult because we used to have PCR test sites all throughout the state from DHEC, you you could go and get a free test. It would take a couple of days to get the results, but they're very sensitive. And it would tell you if you, you were infected with COVID when you got your test and how long you're likely to be contagious for, you know, the next five to 10, 14 days. Then we transitioned to home tests. So mm-hmm. if you don't know this, you can get four free home tests for your household, if you go to usps.gov, so you can order them, they'll mail them, the post office will mail them right to your house, they're free. Yeah, I've administered two home tests to myself. One, I was taking a trip to go see an elderly friend of mine, and I wanted to make sure that I was safe, I didn't want to expose her. Sure. And then another one, I had a project I was working on, I was going to be on a, on a film set. I had what I was pretty sure was like really bad allergies because of the pollen for you guys who haven't been here to South Carolina. Uh, I call it the green wave. Oh yeah. During the beginning of spring when that pollen is in the air and the air, you can literally see the air when the wind is blowing and you just see the pollen on the air. Well, it was kind of affecting me really um, severely this year. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't um, positive, COVID positive. So I've taken that test twice. I've self-administered twice. 
And then I've taken, I don't know, the one I had at the university was PCR. It was um, the one where you have to spit into the container. So, I, yeah, that's not a PCR test. That's probably a rapid type test. Yeah, it's rapid because we, yeah. yeah, it had to be rapid because we had a limited, a limited amount of time to make a decision about the show. And let me tell you, that is not sexy. Hear me? Yeah. It is not at yeah. all. It's a lot of spit, man. You got like, I'm like, what? How much? I think it's, <laughs> it's like um, five milli- millimeters. Ooh. Excuse me, not milli- milliliters, it would be. Not millimeters. Yeah, that um, is quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, what? And you got to sit there and they even give you suggestions. Like um, when I was there, the lady was talking about a local um, cookie, cookie company that's um, known for making like, I've never had it, but they're um, pretty famous for making like really good companies. I mean, excuse me, really good cookies. And she's like, yeah, just think of these, these cookies, just think of those. And then, you know, they'll help you salivate. And like, I'm like, what? But yeah, it's like, all these people sitting in a room just spitting the two. It is so oh, weird. weird. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like, what? And you can't talk. Like when you're doing it, you're not supposed to talk to anybody. Cause you know, obviously if you're if you're positive and people have to be unmasked because they have to be able to spit and then you spit it to the tube and then you seal it to the tube and then you put it in a little tray and you walk, you have to put your mask back. And I was like, this is so Ooh. weird. Yeah, well, the home tests you get from the government aren't like that. They're the nose swab kind. Yeah, and that I've done Almost too. Almost so weird is, and ooh. gross. <laughs> that is not a good feeling. You put you put that thing up your nose. Yeah. And, and then you have to leave it there, like twirl it around for like a half a minute. Which 15 is a, seconds <laughs> each side. Yeah, yeah, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> it is not cool when you do. That's not cool, man. But not cool. you can order some if you haven't already. Order some. You can get two two sets. You just moved, so you could probably get another set. Oh, in a new household now. I don't know how that works, but my <laughs> Um, But yeah, He's so everybody pop. transitioned to home tests, and now nobody reports when they're positive. So yeah. it's like I used to rely on the level of the virus in the community mm-hmm. to know, you know, when certain activities were safe or not. And I still would mask up anyway if I was going to be in public indoors for something just because we are a higher Mm -hmm. level risk. But even for me, Darian, two years in, it caught me. I got it. I got COVID. Oh, no, Jody says not so. Yeah. And it's like, so I I was positive on a home test. I had to take Mm -hmm. two tests. The first Mm -hmm. test was negative and the second one was positive. I think a lot of people stop after that first test, even if Mm -hmm. their symptoms worsen and they think, well, I don't have it. I just took a test yesterday and it said I don't have it. But it's very easy for your your symptoms to go from present to worse. uh, And then you can you have enough viral load to trigger that test. And I can dig what people want to say. I mean, if I test negative, I don't want to keep testing. I, I don't want to keep going. Like, I, you know, I want to, I, I want, it's comforting to, to say, oh, I'm negative. I'm, yeah. I'm negative. You know, like, well, there, I feel me, worse than you. There was very little doubt because I, I was a little off, felt like allergies, truly. Mm-hmm, it really mm-hmm. did feel like allergies. I tested anyway. I didn't want to expose my kids. So I tested. It was negative. A few hours later, I spiked a fever and I was so sick. I mm. mean, crying for my mama sick. Mm. And I thought, there's no way I don't have this. 
So I tested again the next afternoon and it was absolutely like just as the second, you know, it hit the line, it was clearly positive. Right. Um, and I am still positive now, seven days later, I took another test today and it's still showing positive on a rapid test. Well, how do you so, feel? How do you feel? Um, not fabulous. I mean, I, you know, at least we're able to talk. We had to postpone this recording, you guys, yeah. like, like four days because I, I just couldn't do it. Um, yeah. but like, I'm able to talk to you now without getting short of breath and feeling like I need to stop because mm -hmm. that was happening and I'm vaccinated and have a booster. Wow. Uh, so, you know, it's not anything to, to play with, but I guess the point that I was making is that, you know, a lot of the tools that we used to have to tell us if we could avoid this or not, or, or what was safe and when it was safe, we don't really have any more and it's giving people a false sense of security. You know, nobody has this when, when really quite, quite a few people probably do. And we're seeing increases, as you said. Yeah. Um, Philly is, um, yeah. Philly is bringing back the indoor mask mandate. You know, Jody, it's, it's tough. It, it, okay. Like I am personally wrestling with this. Okay. So I'm twice vaccinated, once boosted. And once I'm done with the show, I will get the second booster. I didn't want to get it in case I had an adverse reaction to it and couldn't do the show or was feeling bad during the show. They've been tested twice and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, but like now, um, I don't, like I know numbers are down. Numbers for the most part are way down. Infections are down, treatments are up, all of this stuff. So I want to govern myself accordingly. I'm not a person that operates from a position of fear a lot. So I want to honor the fact, I mean, just like before, I don't want to get anybody else sick. I don't want to get sick and I don't want to get anybody else sick. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to walk around. It's not two years ago. So I'm, I'm wrestling with myself. Like I walk in a place and I'm like, okay, should I put on my mask? Should I not put on my mask? No, most people, are, okay. If, if I walk in a place and everybody has their mask on, I'll just put on my mask. I think that's out of courtesy, I think. You know, it's guys like, obviously people here are concerned. I don't know what's going on. Someone here might be compromised or it may even just be company policy or whatever. But if I walk in um, some places and I'm, and people are unmasked, I'm comfortable. I'm not really, you know, I'm not, I know I can, I know there's always a possibility, but there's always a possibility, period, you know? But at the same time, I'm still trying to honor, like, if someone walks in and they are masked, I don't, you know, I try not, I don't, I don't try not, I don't judge them. I just don't know what, to your point, I'm a little confused on what to do. I, um, I try to be polite and empathetic because you don't know people's situation. Um, we talked about this earlier. People be, can look totally healthy and be compromised. So I try not to go, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, you know why she just got on a mask because she, you know, frightened. I try not to do that. But at the same time, if I can avoid putting on a mask, I don't like I don't put on a mask outside. I just don't. I see people doing that, like outside, putting on a mask. I'm like, I'm not I'm not doing that because, you know, it's outside. It's ventilated. I'm boosted and blah, 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 blah. But it is difficult in this time right now because people, we really want to be done with this. No matter what we say, we want to be done. 
And it's easier to say, oh, numbers are going down. And, you know, but the reality is you're sick. We're not done. No, we're not done. You know? Yeah. I, for me, it's always been, I just try to make a smart decision based on Mm. the circumstances and, and it's usually come down. So for us, we err on the side of caution more than not, Mm -hmm. but I've always wanted to do the things that are most important to us as safely as we could. So we went to Walt Disney world. We went to Mm -hmm. universal. We didn't get sick. You know, we wore like N95 medical grade masks because we were in a crowded place. We did wear masks outside. Mm -hmm. Normally I wouldn't do that unless I was like, you know, but you're shoulder to shoulder with people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I did wear one. Of course, the case is higher then, you know, than they are now. Mm-hmm. Then again, our case is really low, or is it just that everybody's testing at home and nobody's really talking right. about it? And you know what? It doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter how high or how low they are if you get sick. Yeah, correct. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. And and my one of my other big concerns, I mean, not just getting it, but giving it to someone else. And then what are the longer term effects? You know, could I have residual health effects from what's relatively a manageable illness at home for a short duration, a week or two, but like, is it going to give me some complication down the road? Always been a concern, but I always have just tried to be smart and courteous. So if I'm going somewhere and I see other people are, I will absolutely wear a mask if I see other people doing it just because as you say, they could be sick, they could be getting over COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and need to that for my protection. So I always have done it you wear one for me, I'll wear one for you, kind right. of a courtesy. Right, right, right. Um, but it's getting very difficult. The lines are blurry now, and um, it's really hard to know what is the right thing and when is the right thing. Yeah, and yeah, it just is. And, and like, you know, remember we were talking about empathy during this. I mean, we were all, like, if this thing really has taught us, well, I don't know if we've learned a lesson that no matter what's going on, we're all connected. If you think you're safe, you know, if you think, well, that's, that's their problem. You know, the pandemic was, is, and was everyone's problem. Empathy became a really important word, you know, and I wonder now if we're like, we're, we're trying to rush back to normal, which is, that's a whole other thing. Cause I really think this thing has done I think it's not a job on us mentally. Like people are still freaking out about crowds and stuff like that. People still afraid to share in some ways that we took before um, for granted before. I think some things have improved, but I think it's hard for us to slow down. You know, like I talked all that about how um, my family, and we kind of really enjoyed each other at the beginning of the pandemic. Now we're back to being as busy as ever. And we yeah. talked about, you know, we've had we've had those discussions about like, okay, I keep saying this. What if we what did we learn from the pandemic? We can't do it all. We can't, but and yet I look up and Michaela's out of town this day, and I got uh, I'm speaking on a panel this morning, then I got uh this to do, then I got a show tonight, and then you know the birds gotta get to school and, and it's 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 crazy, it's bananas, it's bananas, and it's like slow down, like take care of each other. Remember we used to, remember in New York, they used to salute the nurses when they came home. 
They used yeah. to bang on pots and sing songs and play, you know, songs and stuff. And remember, and people, then fast forward to when they had a vaccine and people didn't want to take it, and they were and I, assaulting nurses. Right. All of a sudden, nurses <laughs> were, you know, evil from the evil empire. Yeah. You know, nurses were saving our lives at first, and all of a sudden now they're like, you know, they're conspirators, and you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, ah, it's just, it's interesting. It's really interesting. I think we have to give people a chance to digest. And I think we're all carrying it, bearing it in ways that are still unknown and unfamiliar. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing I think too, I don't feel like because it's just been a slow rolling two year disaster, right? People have not truly come to grips with it. I mean, like I know people personally who truly had like a mental break mm. over the pandemic. People who seem, you know, were normal, you yeah. know, folks that you would know in your community went to work and they were um, just average people who have gone way off the deep end down conspiracy theories. And, mm. Yeah. You know, it's affected people's livelihoods. A lot of people had to completely change careers. It destroyed in one weekend. I'll never forget this one weekend from Thursday to Saturday. I lost six months worth of work. Oh, easily. Yeah. You know, at at the beginning, um, you know, a lot of my clients, it is not that, you know, it's hit or miss. And I was, I was on a hot streak. Right when it hit, I was like, yo, because, you know, gig economy, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yo, this is going to be cool, man. I got this gig line. I got, I was on a hot streak. I was like, um, March, April was looking lovely for me. And then initially people were like, oh, well, we're going to move it out a couple of weeks. And I was already starting to book summer gigs. And, you know, people were postponing and people were rescheduling. Then the reschedule had to be rescheduled. Then the reschedule was postponed. Then the reschedule was canceled. And blah 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 blah. And I never forget that weekend. Like I said, from Thursday through Saturday, I lost six months worth, and I had no idea where that money was going to come from. I know. I'm the same. I mean, in travel. So I'm, <laughs> I'm actually still planning trips for people who were supposed to travel in March and April of 2020. Wow. So they got postponed and they got postponed again. And then they canceled because, you know, the clients weren't feeling comfortable traveling yet. Mm -hmm. And so now I am still having folks who are, who are like, okay, I think we can do it now. Um, And so, you know, we're trying to find a way to navigate it and do it. I mean, even for my own family, uh, Mm -hmm. like I said, we went, you know, we had to go, we had to completely change the way we travel for ourselves personally. And we're much higher risk than the typical person, but we still did it and, and we're able to do it safely. But I mean, it, it, I think that we have not as a society really reckoned with all of the ways things change and not just the initial, you know, shutdown period, but just the nastiness that has come since over how to manage this public health crisis 
on a, on a national scale going forward. A lot of people want to just forget it and pretend it yeah. never happened. And if you yeah. get sick, well, you're on your own. You're going to get sick. Everybody's going to get it, right? That's what a lot of people say. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, we know that there are people who have like really long-term effects and they can't work. So where do we draw the line of what is appropriate as a society to manage this? And I think we're still dealing with that and, and will be. It's even been politicized, you know, so it's oh, like yeah. it's, it's seeped into our education system, our um, political system, obviously healthcare as well. I mean, all of those aspects of society um, and it's not it's not done. It's still not yeah. over. You're still wrestling with it. Well, let's end on a good note. Yeah, and I don't think this was a bad note. I think this was a discussion. This was a, there's a lot of things. Um, it's been two years, but it feels so weird. It feels like it could have been 20 years or it could have been yesterday. Yeah. And I, you know, like I've forgotten about the very beginning and how standing outside the bird school, you know, waiting to pick her up when people are talking about, you know, a pandemic, you know, that was a word. Or learning more about the Spanish flu. That was yeah. another thing. All of a sudden, that was, that became a topic of discussion, you know. Or even all these movies and books about contagions all of a sudden became super relevant, you know. It's been an interesting talk, but you know how we do on the grain. We like to finish on a good note because there's good, there's good stuff. There's goodness. Just the fact that we're here is goodness. Just the fact, um, I know you're sick, but I'm glad you're getting better. I'm glad. Yeah. You, I'm sure the Grain family feels the same. It you could have been so much worse, yeah. you know, and yeah. so and we prepared for and we were ready in case it happened and mm. we kind of knew what to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful <clears throat> that it wasn't worse because it was for so many people. I right. mean, I know, you know, I have friends who who lived in New York and in the early days and I mean, they lost multiple, multiple family members. I mean, yeah. one one girl lost eight people in a month. Yeah. That I, you know, that I know. Yeah. Um, I have a friend, literally, this, we talked about it. She had lost 12 people in her family. And she said she stopped counting. She said she didn't want to count anymore. She didn't want to count anymore. So, you know, she's going to have some issues, I think. I don't, and I don't know what they are. It might just be prolonged sadness. It might be, but, you know, I, I guess the, the thing about it is, is, no matter what, if you believe or don't believe, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you know, it's it's not anything new, but it it's certain things don't change, certain things become cliche because they're truths that never change. And for me, that is be kind to each other, man. Be kind, be good to each other. I mean, even if you think, if you think you're not sick. Or, you know, but you know, putting on a mask could give somebody some short-term comfort. Put on a mask, man. Put on a mask. It's not going to be for a long time. When you walk out, take it off. You know, if you don't, it's not that big a deal. You know, people, I remember when people were like basing their masculinity on a, whether or not they were wearing masks, or not, which that was a whole, we could have done a whole show about that because that was confusing as hell to me. But, you know, take care of each other, man. Or we still need people to check in and like, you're sick. I'm hoping that you know, your friends down there are checking to make sure you got what you need and, you know, 
bringing, dropping off stuff at the house, or, you know, there's still people out here, COVID hasn't gone away and people still need to be treated. People still have bills and stuff like that. Um, you know, the grain family, we're family, take care of each other, man, big and small. Let's I think that's right the, that's the crux of it is that at somewhere in the middle, I feel like people really stopped feeling a responsibility to care for others. And mm-hmm. so we need to get back to that, Yeah, uh, you know, as a society, like being responsible for the well-being of our neighbors yeah. in some way. I mean, obviously, you know, we can't do everything for everyone, but, um, but this, this extreme individualism is not serving us as a society, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, you are your brother's keeper. You know, you may not, can, like I say, you can't do everything, but we, we're we here. There's a reason there's 7 billion of us on this planet. That's not to be alone, you know? And, you know, I, I think one of the things that happens too, because sometimes I catch myself doing this, Sometimes the situation can be so big, you just get paralyzed. You just don't, you literally don't know what to do. So you do nothing and do something, even if it's just being nice to somebody. Well, I'm going to say just, that's, that sounds dismissive. I think this morning I was going, I had a panel discussion about art and city politics and economics, blah, 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 all this good stuff. And I was getting out the car this young lady was walking down the street and she said, hey, how you doing? Hello, you know, salutation. And I was like, hey, how are you? And she was like kind of surprised because I like really like, hey, hey, she's like, I'm fine. We had this little mini discussion like it lasted like five seconds. But both of us like, hey, I see you. It was just kind of nice, man. It was just kind of nice. And it's nice when I dig it when strangers are kind to each other. I really dig that, especially if I'm the one you're kind to. <laughs> on that note green family go go do something nice for someone and we'll catch you in a couple weeks we love random acts of kindness <laughs> love you green family be good Peace. the grain podcast is brought to you through a grant from the knight foundation in partnership with indie grits labs and the lovely people of 29203 thanks to our audio engineer isabel alvarado and our hosts Darren McLeod and Jody Srutek. And don't forget to subscribe to The Grain for more great episodes.